Hey everyone, you're listening to What's the Point, a podcast where we talk about all the things in the life and ministry of Waypoint Church. Uh, and today is our 72nd episode, what, what we're calling the use of numbers in the Bible. And there's a reason why we're choosing episode 72. We think it's the, the perfect numbered episode to talk about numbers in the Bible. You're in for an incredible treat here. Uh, Pastor Danny <laughs> and Pastor Lawrence are in the studio with me today. Yes. and uh, Hola. Both. Good to be back in the studio. Uh, each each one has their own uh, their own strategy for for prepping for these kinds of things. Pastor Danny's got uh, a book on numerology out, and he's got his laptop ready to go. Pastor Lawrence is just sitting there with his Funyuns and his Coke Zero, and good to go. Uh, Actually, he prepared for this for the last one because the day before, and then he got the questions and realized that it was, it was a different pod. He, so he prepared for this one about two two three weeks ago. Yeah, great. So uh, maybe maybe it's the listener thinking why why do I want to he- hear a podcast episode on numbers uh, numbers in the Bible but but just numbers in general but we'll, we'll, we'll get there we'll, we'll uh, um, but before we get to all the exciting things about that which is actually is really fascinating uh, first I want to start off with this icebreaker do, do you guys have a favorite number or maybe a favorite sports number why so my favorite sports number is twenty four. That's the number I wore when I played basketball. So 24 is my favorite jersey number. My favorite number right now is probably 10. Okay. Just re- because uh, Josiah's birthday is in October. So I decided at one point, 10 is going to be my new favorite number. The, the 10th month of the year. Exactly right. Okay. I, I'm a sports guy, so I've had a lot of favorite numbers throughout the years. But uh, playing baseball... When I was little, you just get random numbers. You know, sometimes you could pick, sometimes you couldn't. Uh, the one year I played football, tackle football, I wore 83 because I was a wide receiver, and my favorite wide receiver, Mark Clayton of the Miami Dolphins, wore 83. But the number I always I ended up with was three because when I made the high school baseball team, I made JV team in ninth grade. All the smalls were one, two, and three, and four. So like, and then the mediums were five through eight. So that's kind of how our, and you got like a jersey, you got like your two, your home and away jersey where like the guy the year before had to give it away. Our, our school didn't have enough money to buy new jerseys. So I just went with three because it's a Bible number, you know, some, some, it was the natural, the movie, the natural, he was number three. Ted Williams was number three. So I just thought Dale Murphy was number three. So I went with three and it's a good Bible number. Mm-hmm. So He's I was just holier than the rest of yeah. us. Yeah. So I ended up picking three, but my email, this is interesting. I got an early invite to Gmail. I used to have like a Yahoo and a Hotmail. I still have both of them. I have a lot of email addresses, <laughs> but, uh, but when I got the invite to Gmail, I wanted my, I wanted dcast at gmail.com. Cause I was one of the early people to get an invitation, but you had to have, I think that's five. You had to have six characters. It's like, dang it. I didn't know that. So then I was like, I can't be decast. I wanted Danny first and that was taken. So then I did decast at Gmail. And then I was like, well, maybe I'll just do decast one. But I was like, then people will think I'm arrogant. So I chose decast two just cause <laughs> I don't know, maybe spiritual. I'm second. God's first. I don't know. I don't know why I did it. So that's why. So when you get my email from my main Gmail account, DCAST2, that's where it came from. What about you guys have numbers in your emails or? Uh, so it, actually kind of funny. Um, when I created my Gmail account, my personal Gmail account is uh, the the opposite effect of what you were going for because I didn't want a number in my email. Um, I didn't want to be like Eric Weiner 
three or Eric. So I went with the Eric Weiner at gmail.com. So you're like um, the Ohio State. So yeah, huh? you I'm, are the I'm original. Because there actually are a fair amount of Eric Weiners out there, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually one who's, who's written like a, who's like published, like he's an author, does like travel stuff. Uh, and so that was like, that's my Twitter handle is the Eric Weiner. And I actually have gotten some follows of people thinking that I was that other Eric Weiner. You were the Eric and, Weiner, not uh, they thought, so, this Eric Weiner. Uh, some interesting like comments on some of my posts or at like in, in years past of like, yeah, I don't, I don't even know. Like that's not my world. So, yeah. so my Gmail is Lauren to you 6980 at gmail.com. So that's my other email address. Uh-huh. But that 6980 is um, when I was in youth group, my youth minister would tell us the story. Uh, when he was a kid, he thought that was the biggest number in the world. He thought 6980 was the biggest number in the world. He thought there's no number bigger than that. So he used to tell his dad when he was a kid, Dad, Dad, I love you, 6980. And so as a youth minister, he would tell us, he said, uh, he would tell the youth, he said, I love you guys, 6980. So that number is just stuck from that. So do a lot of people think your birthday is like June 9th, 1980? <laughs> wow. I mean, it's probably kind of yeah. close. Yeah, but it is close. But yeah, that, yeah. that's, that's, that's wow. where it came from. Mm-hmm. 16, wait, so yeah, anyway, okay. Um, that's really that's really fascinating. Uh, I My favorite number has been the number four. Um, my dad said that he liked the number four. I don't know if I like the number four, and that's why he liked the number four. If I just, um, but but I was a bit like growing up, I was a big Packers fan, and so Brett Favre, the quarterback mm-hmm. of the Packers, was number four. Uh, I, I wore number four when I was playing soccer in middle school and high school, and so I was just, that was that was my number. Still, there you go. still like the number four. Uh, no real strong reason other than what I just said. Uh, but jumping in here, um, as, as I mentioned in the opening, talking about episode number 72, and this even this number 72 has some significance. And so wh- why did we pick episode 72 to talk about numbers in the Bible? All right. So we're... And not, and not 70. Huh? Yeah. Right? We are, yeah, we are in Luke's gospel as a church. And when we get to Luke 10, it's going to say... In the NIV or the ESV, that the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two. But in some older manuscripts, it says the Lord appointed 70. And then if you go to Genesis 10, it's going to have a list of all the nations. And in the Hebrew Bible, the one that we translate our Bible from, there's 70 nations. If you go to... um, to the Greek translation of the Bible called the Septuagint. It's, it was a second and third and second century translation uh, by Jewish scholars to translate the Bible into Greek or the, what, the Old Testament into Greek. It's the Bible that Paul uses. It's the Bible that Paul quotes. It's the Bible that Matthew quotes. Generally, the New Testament authors are, are relying heavily on the, the Greek translation, the Septuagint. But in the Septuagint, there's 72 nations, not 70. And actually, the word Septuagint literally is, the, is we call it that, because it's based on the word 70, Septuaginta, mm-hmm. which is the word 70 in Latin, because they believe that 72 men translated it, 12, diff- 12 men from each of, six men from the 12 tribes of Israel. That's the legend. Mm-hmm. So you see how the word 70, are, they're, they're trying to get at something. So 70 or 72 means complete. So... Some scholars, many scholars believe that Jesus didn't actually send out 72 people or 70 people, probably maybe sent out somewhere between 
60 and 100, but they chose 70 to represent uh, like a complete number. Like that's, that was complete. And that's, so, so just the very fact that they, that some translators, some people, some of the editors, I mean, the, some of the transcribers, when they're transcribing the Greek uh, Luke letters, I mean, the Luke Gospels, and they're sending it out, they're like, oh, surely they didn't mean 70. Surely they meant 72. And other times, that's why we have two, two versions of bo- both of these accounts. And it's mainly just because what is the number of completeness? So that's why for the 72nd episode, we wanted to bring this up. And, and just for the users at home who might be freaking out right now, this actually is a good thing, not a bad thing, because it just shows that these numbers in the Bible were meant more many times to be taken more figuratively than literally. And just the very fact that the two translations are trying to they're they're trying to find the right which one, which which stream of Judaism do you use? The the one that thinks that 72 is the complete number or the one that thinks that 70 is the complete number? That's the important thing. So because we have this, it doesn't mean that our Bible has errors. It just means that as the editors were editing the Bible every once in a while, and there's only a few of these, there's, there's you know, throughout this giant text of that was written over, you know, over a thousand years by over 40 different authors in different languages on different continents and all that, all we have is, is differences like this, like very minor differences that have huge theological significances in their implication. And so, so it's a good thing that this exists because it shows us that our, we can really rely on our translations of the Bible, that these are the kind of things when there is a difference, these are the kind of differences that we see. Now, I want you guys to understand the context of, of the Bible. Right now, we live in a world where exact numbers are everything to us. Yeah, especially in the West. I mean, the post-Enlightenment you know, West. This yeah. is our culture. We have computers. We have calculators. We have notebooks. We have ledgers. We have computers that store information. So for us, exact figures is very important. But even in our current world, other countries of the world, they don't operate like that. I remember when I was in a trip um, in another country, we always talked about this is time is different here. When we say three hours, we don't really they don't mean literally three hours. Mm-hmm. They meant mm-hmm. just some period of time. You know, so it's just different culturally speaking. So you gotta understand, like, especially in the old testament, the, the ancient Near East, it wasn't they didn't have a, a drone flying around or a video camera or, or a camera to take a picture of exactly how many people were around. That wasn't the point. You know, numbers symbolize something. So they use different numbers to symbolize what they were trying to illustrate, what they were trying to say. They didn't literally have the opportunity to have a computer that kept logs of exactly every little thing. Mm. So there's a lot of these numbers are not meant to be known as, seen as exact. What do they mean? What do they symbolize? Yeah, what do they, what do they mean in their original context? And why? how did they use numbers in their original context? And why is this number 70 really important? You know, it, it means completeness. It meant all the nations. So when Jesus is sending out 70, he's kind of sending out people to the nations. So Luke is trying to show that Jesus, by choosing this number, is matching himself to the 70 nations in Genesis. Right. That's, that's, what, that's why it's beautiful. Because if there's a debate, if there was a debate in Judaism at the time of Jesus, that it could be 70 or 72 to represent this number of God, this important number, then obviously the New Testament, uh, the, the guys who are writing it down, and the, originally Matthew, I'm sorry, Luke either wrote 70 or 72. We don't know what he originally wrote, but the two guys are, know that this is a direct parallel 
to the Genesis 10 account, and depending on which, if they're going with the Septuagint or the Hebrew, is, is how they're going to translate it. So the beautiful thing is it shows us how important the Old Testament was and how they use numbers and how the numbers didn't mean accuracy. They meant sometimes they meant an important uh, theological concept, like 70, 70 means a complete group that represents all the lands, all the peoples. This is based off of number seven, which meant symbolized spiritual perfection and completeness. So elsewhere in the Bible, we look at some numbers like that, like, like when Jesus says to forgive. Mm-hmm. You know, how many times did he say to forgive? Right? 70 mm-hmm. times seven, seven, times seven right? Yeah. So literally, does he mean count how many times you've forgiven somebody? Mm-hmm. No. He meant in spiritual completion. And then, and then yeah. guess what the other yeah. word that means complete, the other number, 10. 10. Means completion. But then also, 6 times 12 is an important number in, in Hebrew, in the Hebrew text, because there's 12 tribes. So that's why these two strands of Judaism probably split on is it 70 or 72, and even how to translate the Hebrew, like should... Should some of the Hebrew, should two of the nations in Genesis 10 in Hebrew be split into, into two more to make it 72? So you can see for them, this was very theological. Probably they just, the, the list of nations in Genesis 10 is just picking 70 nations. There were probably, these, some of these are tiny city-states. They're not huge. They're not like Egypt or something. But they chose to pick 70 so to show that the whole world, yeah. like it was another way of saying the whole world of every the, of the of the whole world, even though that wasn't even close to the whole world. That we know by archaeological digs that there were actually people living beyond that list, but for them it meant the whole world, and that's for them theology of using these numbers in this way was very much more important than an accurate count like we would want today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so part of what I hear you guys saying as you're describing this is when, when we, I mean, for one, when, when we approach the Bible to read it as, as modern readers, we're coming with our own kind of uh, grid for how we're trying to interpret and understand it from what we already, how we would read anything else. And so as, I, as a modern reader, as I come to the Bible, when I read things, naturally I'm going to think, oh, like when I see places and names and uh, numbers, like it's just giving me details. It's just details, and sometimes I care about the details. Sometimes I don't really care about the details. It's just there, you know. When I read a genealogy, do I want to read through all the names? They're just names. Like who cares? Um, numbers. Sometimes, uh, some, maybe, maybe the more invested you are in the story, it's like, oh, that seems like like a really big number. That doesn't that doesn't really make sense. Or so, but but I wouldn't necessarily think to, or I wouldn't necessarily assume. Oh, there's something theological being communicated here, and you're saying a lot of times there is. And even as as we read the Bible as a whole, that part of the beauty of it is that it is it is connected. It is one story, and so there's there's all of these different connections, and, and the Bible is inviting you to uh, to connect. Oh, 40, that's a, that's a significant number. Seven, that's a significant number. 70, that's a significant. 72, that's a significant number. And you see these numbers pop up again, 12, um, and to, to say this is, this is trying to connect you to a bigger theological idea that's, our, that's present in the text. And so, um, and, and then Pastor Lawrence, you also mentioned just this idea that uh, there, are, there are some cultural things that are drawn out, and we have our own cultural things that we bring into it. And so trying to 
walk through those things and interpret. How are numbers presented in the Bible? How, how should we view them? So one interesting thing is neither in the Hebrew you know, scriptures or in the Greek scriptures, they use uh, what we would call like the ordinal numbers, like the symbols for numbers, like a one and a wow. zero. They use only words, only words and letters. So similar to like Roman numerals, but not even, but even, but, but the, every, it'd be like me writing, you know how when you have to write a check, I know a lot of you people under, under 30 don't write many checks and, and, and people over, you know, the, like the previous generations wrote checks all the time. And on the check, you, in one part of it, you had to write it like 100, 100 points, you know, one zero zero point zero zero. Or and then it, and then in the line you'd write the digits and then in the line you'd have to write the word one dash hundred and zero over one hundred cents you know and and that's how that's how they did it in the Bible so they wrote it out mm-hmm. because that's what especially in Hebrew by the time of the Greek New Testament they had other numbering systems in the in the Greco Roman world but they still chose to write it out so in the Old Testament that makes it tricky because it's hard to know. Their, their system of numbering is a guess for us. It's, and, and then sometimes it's hyperbole, sometimes, and we'll talk about this later, but it's, it's, it's written in a different way, and it's not always trying to... It's, most of the time, the numbers are more about theology and, and some kind of background of the number than they are about accuracy on the count. Like, more, the, more often than not, almost every time a number's presented in the Old Testament, there's theology behind it. And there's some kind of estimating. There's, there, there, it's just, it's just how they their world was ordered, how they thought about the world. It doesn't mean that that all the numbers in the Old Testament are inaccurate. It just means that when we come to some of the numbers, we have to come and look at and think about their original context, and then think about the culture, and then think about the theology of this letter, and then put it all together. I mean, you got to understand that they didn't have an ability to barcode or scan or see who's gone in tickets. Who's going to see a performance? You know, they couldn't tell you exactly. We can tell people how many showed up at a football game, a college football game. 92,155 people showed up at the, you know, the big house in Michigan. We can know that because we sell tickets. There's turnstiles. That, this concept didn't exist back then. Mm-hmm. This concept of these big numbers, I mean, you can say for them, it's like anything over 500 is the same thing. It's just a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like if you're a small city state and their army's big, like, it's all big. <laughs> it's all big. Like if they have more, if your city state has a thousand people or fifteen hundred people total, you have about maybe three, four hundred men who could suit up and be in the army. You look out and you see somewhere five hundred thousand. It just they're bigger than us. They have more horses than us. So you can use hyperbole. You can use like they're they're not going to sit there and count. Uh, and then if you win, you might say you know like the idea like what does it say Saul. Saul defeated thousands. David defeated tens of thousands. You know, like obviously that one we know it's hyperbole, but there are many other times when the author is is doing that type of thing. These small city states that we encounter in in Joshua and Judges, and like sometimes the numbers seem way too big. Sometimes they seem off, but and then sometimes we just have to say we don't know. Like, we don't know why the number is so large in this chapter. The army is so big. And then five chapters later, it's, t- it's tiny. Mm-hmm. And the Septuagint doesn't help. The Greek translation often 
continues on in the same type of estimations or hyperbole or even maybe the get yeah the the way that the the Hebrew uh New Old Testament was presented. So it's not like it clears it all up for us. A lot of times it might even make it a little more confusing. And even if I was to tell a story, if I wanted to illustrate a point to my children, you know, I would make, I would say stuff like, you know, he was 20 feet tall. Or, he, you know, I would say stuff like... You'd exaggerate, you'd exaggerate to make the point. What about Bruno? What about Bruno? How tall is Bruno, the guy who lives in the wall? In a, oh, seven feet tall. He's, saying, he's got, you know, yeah. like... like that legend, is he really? Is he as tall as Shaq? You know, you know what I'm saying? So even that, that's the idea of some of how the poetry is written in the Bible, some of how they present it, mm-hmm. is like in a, in, in a 3,000 year ago context, like 3,500 years ago. Like, we don't think, we don't, we're not, we don't enter battles like that. We don't live in city states. We don't, we're not in their culture. We're not using their language. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it creates kind of a dilemma in interpretation. Mm-hmm. Like we have, we know what it says, but we're like, do we? Does that mean like fifty thousand, or does that mean fifty men in ten groups, and then some other thing? Like sometimes it's hard to guess. Like, is that do we do we translate that literally into fifty thousand, or does that really mean about like five hundred people? Like sometimes we don't know if it means fifty thousand or five hundred, but they, they didn't care at the time. That's not on their radar to to give an accurate account. And we're also getting this from our perspective, you know, years and years later, trying to, to sift through this, this Hebrew text. But also to say that they're, they're not intending to be inaccurate. No, they're not. But, but also, I mean, there, mm-hmm. there's a, it, as we're coming to the text, not everything, we need to read the text in its literary context. Like yeah. we need to think literarily. I mean, you have different genres that are, that the, mm-hmm. the text is being written in. There's different, and, and it's using story. It's using illustration. It's using lots of different methods to convey its points as it's telling these stories uh, where we think if something's going to be historically accurate, it has to be precise. Um, we're not saying that they're being imprecise. We're saying that, at least I hear you saying that they're, they're using other methods to convey God's truth across uh, events that, that, that really happen. Mm-hmm. And then there are occasional times, like the numberings of the, of the people who come out of the Exodus. Like, if you take it literal, it seems like it's too many people. Like, the line of people, if they march single file or kind of similar to single file from Egypt to, to the, across the Sinai Peninsula, like, the line would have been, like, 20 miles long. Or something so obviously and then the size of the armies change over time so there's there's some it's not textual errors it's just the text is exactly what it says but we have to try to interpret what does it mean like how big was this army and and, and what is what does this number mean at that point in its in its uh so let me in give its you, context let me give, give you guys a good example of this if you look in the book of judges as a whole we noticed a, a, a kind of a, a tendency to show the number 11 and multiples of 11 mm-hmm. over and over again in the book of Judges. Joshua lived for 110 years. Gideon's first army consisted of 11 men. Uh, Gideon later dismisses 22,000 men. There's 77 elders. There's Jared Judges for 22 years. Samson's outfoxed on the 11th day. Delilah bribed with five lots of 11. There's, there's over and over. 11 tribes gathered Shiloh. Um, over and over again, multiples of 11. Well, we've talked about how Judges shows the decline 
the lacking. Mm-hmm. That number 11 is to show that they've fallen short of 12. There, there's a tribe missing constantly throughout this, mm-hmm. the book of Judges. Mm-hmm. And it's the Levites. And it's just mm-hmm. a constant showing that they're missing out on what the priestly duties were. They're, they're falling short. I mean, so these are like all things that you would read and you'd literally be like, oh, that's literal, right? That's literal. No, they're just trying to show that they're short of 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a really powerful point, mm-hmm. to, a, a powerful example, even to say that, okay, so, so when I come to it, again, as a modern reader, I'm reading the Bible, do I need to view every single number as, an op- like, as a scavenger hunt? Probably not. I mean, you'd yeah. say no. It's like, a context. Like, mm-hmm. like there, yeah, it gives some context, but then you're not saying, and, and this is what I think is cool, you're not saying that the numbers don't matter, like as, as in like they're imprecise, there's all these kinds of problems and accuracies. Uh, you're just saying, hey, maybe we need a different, uh, we, we're trying to fit it into something that it's not, and we need to take it for what it is. And, right. and, and it's important to understand it in its context and, and what, what the, the authors are actually intending to communicate through it. They're using it in, in some ways as a, as a device to convey something that's, that's even deeper. And so, so one of the beauties of it is, hey, don't care about the numbers at all. It's, hey, actually care about them a little more that's to right. say, okay, what, are you, what is the biblical author mm-hmm. communicating? What's it, what's, what are they signaling to me as a reader uh, that there, there is more to explore. There's, there's something deeper to even go into. Um, I think you talk about like reading the Bible, that like mining God's word and finding all these little nuggets and treasures. What you're describing with numbers is one example of doing that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's really powerful. And so uh, as we were continuing to talk about numbers, I thought it'd be beneficial for us and, and for the, for, for those listening uh for us to do that a little more with, with some of the different numbers. And so uh, yeah, let's, we, we, let's, we don't have to do all of them, yeah. um, but, but maybe a couple of them. So, we, I mean, we already mentioned like the number three. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, three like, is what, union, trinity. Um, it's an easy one to uh, kind yes. of. Yes, divine fullness, uh, appropriation, perfection. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is obviously important. God is one, you know, mm-hmm. so saying that, that you know, Two has the binary, like in in Genesis one. There's the sun and the moon, the light and the dark, the man and the woman. But then two can also mean like division, like Jacob and Esau. The you know the split. So two is just shows up throughout. Three, four is like refers to the earth, the creation. What else you got for four? You got oh yeah, no, yeah, earth creation definitely for symbolic of earth. Four seasons, four winds, four directions, four, four winds. Yeah. yeah. Um, the reason I, I, I kind of I didn't necessarily want to go through all of these. I want to focus on a few. Yeah. Like for example, six. Is yeah, a I was going to ask one, about right? six. Yeah. That's the one. That, six six six. Is that the one everybody's scared of? Mm-hmm. I, I, when I was or a kid. Six one six. Six. Yeah. I remember not, when. It, not, not as popular. I remember when I was a kid. Um, that was like the the thing for every horror movie or everybody to talk about is this mark of the beast mm-hmm. and six 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 and all this kind of stuff. Well, guys, six is the number of. Man, yeah, mm-hmm. that's all it is. Six is the number of humanity. Well, it's the day we were created. Yeah, yeah. The day man was created. If you look at the lineage uh, of of Adam and Eve, you, you have the sixth line lineage versus the seventh line lineage, the manly lineage, the humanly lineage versus the godly lineage. Mm-hmm. Six is just ultimately is just um, symboli- symbolizing that one short of perfection. Mm-hmm. You're one underneath the holy perfection number, which is seven. Seven churches, seven spirits, seven gifts yeah. of the spirit. Man will never be fully God, but That's man's right. pretty close. Right. It's, you know. I mean, Pastor Danny printed 
printed out the questions that we have here, and, and 666 is on it. Should, should we not? That just means we need to go burn these papers, right? That's <laughs> right. Yeah. Or, or every barcode says 666, mm-hmm. right? So the barcode we sold every barcode, right? You guys heard about that one? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so ultimately, even in the book of Revelation, when it talks about 666, that's what it's talking about is that the humanness, the short of God, mm-hmm. the desire to be God, but the, you're actually the humanness of it. Mm-hmm. So that's a big one. And then 12 is just governmental protection, per, perfection or rule, like the 12 tribes, the 12 disciples. 40 is... Well, I'd say go back to 12. 12 symbolizes really the completion of God's people, mm-hmm. the total amount of his yeah. covenant promises, his, the total completion of his tribes, his disciples, 12 baskets left over for the tribes. Yeah. Um, even if you look at the book of Revelation, 144,000 that they talk about, this remnant yeah. that they talk mm-hmm. about. So, it's so a sm- in, 12, in the yeah. grand scheme of things, it's a small number of people to, right. to make it. Like That seems kind of... That seems ridiculous. Seems, right? yes. <laughs> yes. Only 144,000 so people. Yeah. So you're saying that's not a literal number, though? No. Right, no, no not 144,000 people make it in, and many of the numbers in the Old Testament... Don't be sad. Like, are, are also in their original context and have a theology and some other textual ways of looking them in their original culture in context. So, yeah, that's a great example, Eric, because that shows the other way. Like, no one would say there's only going to be 144,000 people in heaven. That would be, yes. So, so we we can look at that one. Human history, that would be, yeah, it'd be really sad. It would be quite a small number. But, I mean, if you look at it, that's just, it just shows the multiple element of it. Like, Mm -hmm. I think people get confused when you add multiples. Like it's twelve times, what is that? Twelve thousand? Well, I don't know what the number is. Twelve times one equals one hundred forty-four thousand. Yeah, it's like twelve right? times. It's twelve thousand times twelve hundred times twelve hundred. I think. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. So it's this idea that like this, these multiples work with the actual numbers. Mm-hmm. Forty has has grown to mean uh, a period of judgment, testing, trial. It's like forty days, forty years in the desert. It's also just a generation. But forty years in the desert, Jesus was uh, forty days in the desert. Um, so seventy is also another time of of judgment or trial in the prophets. It's it's a period. It's there's so those are two pretty important numbers that seem to show up again and again. Yeah, just another last one here. It's kind of a seems like a random number, a thousand. Like, it, what's the significance of that number? Yeah, a thousand is just you know obviously it's a large number. Uh, it would be, it's a multiplier in the Hebrew language. It's one. It's a multiplier, so they would they would use it like we would use it. They would say like so many thousands. So it's 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 a unit that is is just pretty significant. It's it's a very I don't I don't even know what else to say. I mean, it's just used. It just shows up over and over again. Well, I would say think about the way we look at like a billion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, it's just, just a, almost like a number. massive number that like. So when we talk about like the thousand year reign of Christ, we don't know what that number is. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, yeah. we're, we're not saying. I don't say that it's a literal thousand years. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you think it's a whatever whatever that number is. It's big. I don't know what that number is. It's a large, but number. it's a large number. It's a large mm-hmm. number to them. That's not billions and billions, but it's it's this large number that is outside of. The, the normal realm, you know, mm-hmm. for them. So, like, and then no one lives to a thousand years in the list. And I, I bet if we had questions, people would ask us. So we probably just go ahead and need to answer it. Do we think that the people before the flood really lived that long? Um, 
Methuselah? Methuselah. He never mm-hmm. looked, got to 1,000. He got That's close. Right. He never, got, he to never got to 1,000. That, that in and of itself is a whole set of interesting yeah. questions. That's interesting There's, question, yeah. yeah, and we're not going to answer it all here, but... I mean, what are your thoughts, Lawrence? You probably thought about this. Uh, Put me on the spot, right, (laughs) Danny? I love it. So I'm going to say this. I think when it comes to the age, the literal age of people in the Old Testament. Before the flood. Before the flood, it could be. Hmm. I'm just going to throw that out there. I said it could be. When the Bible says that 120 is the age, that I'll leave 120, right? Does that mean that no one can live past 120 years old? Like if somebody tomorrow said, I've lived past 120, does that mean the Bible's wrong? Or did that mean 120 years from that point, the thing was going to be enacted? Even that that's, passage that's, itself, that's what I thought. Yeah, the, yeah. You, we can't translate it accurately. Mm-hmm. Does it mean people only live to about 120 or 120 years from that moment? That's a hard passage to translate exactly. to. It, even the one that might give us some comfort, it has, you know, you know we're, we're coming to it in faith. and. Yeah. So, so my answer to that question is, it could be either one. Yeah. Could people have lived to be under God, however God wants to rule and reign, mm-hmm. however He wants to um, make the world work? You know, I heard some people say, "Well, before it rained, the atmosphere stopped the X-rays of the sun, which is what causes this aging or whatever." All this kind of. Stuff. I have no idea. I, I, all I can say is this: if it's literal, which is our, in our context, we could argue that it, it could be. Mm. If it's not, either way it shows the goodness of God orderliness of his creation what he's yeah. doing even yeah. if so, like Methuselah lived to like 120 and died and he just lived to be old and he didn't live that long it doesn't change Jesus it doesn't mm-hmm. change the story of Jesus it, it really doesn't change much and it, it doesn't say that the Old Testament numbers it, the Old Testament is not reliable because we've shown time and time again they thought about numbers differently than us mm-hmm. uh, if they said if Paul if it said that Paul lived that long you know, or people, then it might be hard to believe just because we've right. never, there's no other account of anybody living that long. There are all the other accounts in the ancient Near East. They're key guys. They're kind of ancient figures. They're like Methuselah and Noah. They all live to like 10,000. Their numbers are even way more skewed than these. So that's why some people think they could be literal, but we just will never know. But it doesn't change the gospel. Jesus didn't want us to know he could have said hey guys i'm going to tell you that you know paul he could have given paul i mean the disciples the vision of how to translate the numbers in the old testament he wasn't worried about that he was he's like every word in the old testament is perfect for what you need to know to know me and to know what my kingdom is like so if we get hung up in the numbers then maybe we're spending time in the wrong the wrong places because we need to continue to bring the message of jesus out there and and this wasn't a key the, the numbering wasn't that important to the people in the, to the writers of the old of the New Testament as they're going out and spreading the church so we can so if it is if they are right accurate actually accurate and people live that long maybe bodies were more perfect that's okay if not it's okay too if they really just use some symbol each of those numbers has some symbolism in them that we we don't know. We don't know mm-hmm. the full symbolism of them because no place else in the rest of the text gives us insight. Most of the time when we can translate harder passages in the, in the Bible, it's because somewhere else in the text gives us the keys to translating it. So sometimes when it doesn't do it, we just have to say we don't know. Yeah, so I think this is, I mean, it's really helpful to, to hear, you know, as, as we're navigating, getting, getting lots of different examples of numbers that, 
uh, I mean, in general, it's good for us to, to be curious about these things, to be curious about the, the details that are here, to think about the, the literary structure, um, to, to look, I mean, to, that we shouldn't be tripped up on these things. Um, but they are worth exploring from time to time. And, and so just uh, having that level of curiosity as we go, most of, as we've talked about and given lots of different examples, most of them are coming or focused on the Old Testament. Um, any additional thoughts? I mean, we, we have made a couple of references to some New Testament numbers or numbers used in the New Testament, but any, any additional thoughts about uh, the use of numbers in, in the New Testament in particular? Well, we've already talked about with Jesus, like the gospel writers are definitely trying to do a lot of parallels with the Old Testament. So, I mean, I truly believe Jesus was in the desert for 40 days. Mm-hmm. That, you know, when Jesus feeds the 5,000, was it exactly 5,000 men, you know, or was it just some number around 5,000, you know what I'm saying? Because in another account, he feeds 4,000, you know, so there, there's at least two of those. There might have been three times. It, I think what it means is a large enough group where when Matthew or, or whoever was recording it looked out and saw the crowd, they're guessing, oh, this is around 5,000 people. So, so but, the, but we get the point of it when 3,000 were added to their number in Luke. I, get, I bet it's around 3,000. Was it mm-hmm. exactly 3,000? No, of course not. They're just, they're just using that as an example to about the sample size of the group. But new, the Greek is a little more accurate than Hebrew, and the Greek is closer to our, our modern way of thinking. It's not quite where we are. They still are using like imagery and things, and they, they, their world is still very different than ours, but, but they're also not using uh, digits like we do. Even in, in the Greek New Testament, it's still using uh, letters and words to, to s- express numer- numeral, numeric values. I think the important thing is, is what are these numbers symbolizing from the Old Testament? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the Old New Testament is so purposeful. Did Jesus spend 40 days in the wilderness? Absolutely. But I think he chose to spend 40 days in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's trying to, c- communicate, He's trying to communicate something. He's trying to connect yeah. exactly. something larger. Yeah. You know, was there exactly 12 baskets left over? Yes, I believe there's exactly 12 baskets left over. Why? He's trying to communicate something to mm-hmm. us, you know? Mm-hmm. When they said there was 5,000, was there exactly 5,000? I don't think so. But they're trying to communicate. There's a large amount of people. Mm-hmm. There's so much intentionality of in, in the Bible and these numbers mean something. Now, we can try to find means that, that aren't there, or we can try to find the means that they're truly trying to communicate with us. You know, so what 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 if you look at it in context, knowing the Old Testament, then you can see what the numbers are trying to communicate. Mm-hmm. And that's and the Revelation is the closest is the only book in the New Testament that really is written in the style of Old Testament prophetic literature and particularly apocalyptic literature similar to parts of Daniel, parts of Ezekiel. So it's using extreme imagery. And the good thing about that is that helps us with the Old Testament's extreme imagery. We, we have a, a, a Greek New Testament example of how using things figuratively and metaphorically, using numbers particularly and, and other symbols that are taking us back to, like I said, Ezekiel, parts of Jeremiah, parts of Isaiah, and, and parts of Daniel. And, and we, we get this idea that that should comfort us that the Old Testament numbers, if, if the, the book in Greek, you know, Paul, John could have easily done it 
accurate or whatever, but that wasn't the point. Like the point of the of the numbers was all the symbolism, all this imagery to get his church excited about Jesus is coming back and and what God is doing in the world and and go out there and you can you can truly be God's be a, a child of God. You, we can be the church together. We can have the Holy Spirit. We can get out here and do this because one day Jesus is coming back and one day there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And if we get caught up on all the numbers in Revelation, it, you, you miss the point of the book of Revelation to give us hope, to get out there and be the church that we're called to be. No matter what, what circumstances we're under, we have hope because we know God's ma- renewing all things and making all things new. And everything that came before it, all the promises of the Old Testament are fulfilled in Jesus. So if we get caught up in the numbers, we're going to miss out on the good stuff. Not that we ignore the numbers, hmm. but... No, and th- read the numbers correctly. Yeah, we, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, yeah. and sometimes we just won't know. Yep. Sometimes this strand of Christianity interprets it this way. This strand of Judaism interprets it this way. Just And that's okay. Like our faith doesn't fall apart if this number is literal or figurative. Like yeah. Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine says the secret things belong to the Lord. If we can know everything there is to know about God and his mysteries, then we would probably be God. Yeah. And so it's good that the secret things belong to him. And I think the beautiful thing about these numbers are it points to orliness, intentionality of a beautiful creator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's doing something absolutely incredible. Well, guys, I think this has been a helpful crash course on a very quick overview of, of numbers in the Bible. I'm sure that, uh, I mean, again, like Pastor Danny's got a whole book on biblical numerology in front of him. So there's there's plenty more to, to be said and discussed here. Um, but just in conclusion, in, any final thoughts or, or words of encouragement to people as, as they are uh, trying to navigate, interpret numbers in the Bible? I mean, it's fun to get into all the extra stuff like you can count the letters in the hebrew bible and people have done that and got in there was this thing called the bible code that lawrence and i remember back in the day (laughs) and and it's you can you can do all this cool stuff but you don't need that to know jesus you don't need that and then also so that's one side you could go too far into like really trying to analyze it charts maps getting into the numbers but that's not going to help you tell your neighbor, hey, you need Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? So if we're going to really... It might attract you. It might yeah, be a deterrent, be a deterrent to, to things, yeah. instead of... So generally speaking, all of us as Christians, unless we're called to be a Hebrew scholar of this particular type of thing, and you take all the time to get a PhD in this, I wouldn't get caught in the weeds of the numbers. I'd really focus on just loving people and knowing that the Bible we have is true, it's accurate, it's from God, it stands firm, and it stands the test of time. When they went in and found the Dead Sea Scrolls and found little fragments and some larger fragments, like we weren't like, oh no, what we have is, is way off because these fragments that are older than the, than the ones we had that we base our current texts on are way off. No, they were almost the same. And when they were off, they were just off by like one letter or one small thing. And it just shows us that our Bible is true, it's consistent, it stands firm, but it's not accurate in the way that sometimes modern people might want it to be because that's it's not accurate in ways it's not supposed to be accurate it's accurate in ways that it is supposed to be accurate so my encouragement is don't get you know if and if you have questions you can always go to a commentary you can always and you can see the three or four different interpretations of this like this group thinks this this group thinks this and all of them line up with orthodoxy so it's okay to study the numbers it's okay to get excited about it but if, if it's hindering you from really focusing on 
knowing God and and knowing Jesus, you know, knowing Christ and letting the Spirit be allow you to be who you're called to be individually and as a church, then I'd say slow down and uh, let's just let's just be people who love the Word and and know that it's written in its original context. Yeah. I completely agree with everything Pastor Danny just said. I think um, the mistake is that people have done in the past is to say every seventh letter has led to this prophecy saying that the world is going to end at this time and, and then I have to follow this person or whatever. What no. 88 reasons why the world will end in 1988. Exactly. That was a book that yeah. at our church and I think in the those library. Are, those are the kinds of things that I, I think don't stand the test of time. They, they don't, don't. They, they don't. They aren't easily passed down from one generation to the next. Right. The next generation is going to leave that behind exactly. because it's just not, it's just not profitable. It's not, it's not beneficial to what, it's not accurate to what the, the word of God is actually communicating. Exactly. And so these other numbers, like you're talking about, those, those do stand, they, they still, they're preserved because it's rooted in what God is trying to say to That's us. Right. Whereas those are not. Yeah. My, my suggestion to all of you is use the whole Bible to interpret the Bible. Yeah. That's the best way to read the Bible is use the Bible to interpret the Bible. And guys, it's good and it's beautiful and his word is perfect and his um his his numbers are perfect and it just doesn't look perfect the way you think it should look. Well, uh, I I think this is really helpful and and so thank you guys for the research that you did and and just uh, just continue to want to grow in studying God's word and understand in all of its beauty and complexities and uh, just again encouraging us to to be curious about the word of God and to to continue to explore all that it has to say to us and as we come to a close I just want to read uh, this dox- doxology from Paul in uh, his letter to the Romans when he says Oh the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. 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 Have a great week. Love you guys. Take care.